You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 296. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Well, I know I've been light on the interviews lately. I've had to do a bunch of solo shows. I've had Aaron on a lot. Thank you, Aaron, for for doing that. But I, I feel like these interviews are a big part of the show, and I fell behind. But now, no longer. I have tons of great interviews in the can, some of them really interesting, some of them really different, really in the expand your perspective camp. Which is, uh, which is what we do here on The Local Maximum. So I'm looking forward to playing those for you in the next few weeks. I'm definitely in a few big transitions right now, and so I might make some changes to the show. Maybe we'll get a new host. Uh, a new, new host. No, no, not a new host. You're, you're going to keep with me. I mean a new hosting service. I'm on SoundCloud now. I feel like I've kept SoundCloud for so long. And I keep saying I'm going to move to a new host, and there's never really a, a, a good reason to do so. But maybe I should just go ahead and pull the trigger. I don't know. I don't, there's nothing so great about SoundCloud, but uh, we'll see. It's just it's kind of a pain because of the, the websites on SoundCloud. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm rambling. All right, let's have um, episodes maybe come out at a different time each week. I don't know, maybe a new segment. We've kind of... Uh, We've kind of reached the end of probability distribution of the week. Time to review my process. So I'll have Aaron on at some point, and uh, we'll hammer it out live. Anyway, today we're going to look at some current events. Big tech, so-called big tech, is in the news again. This time it's our federal government agencies coming after Google and Amazon. And I had a really great discussion with today's guest to learn more about what's going on there. Today's returning guest is a veteran Democratic tech industry leader who has had a front row seat for more than 20 years in the tech industry's political maturation. He is the founder and CEO of the Chamber of Progress. Adam Kavakovich, you've reached the local maximum. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. All right. We have uh, several developments from the federal government uh, and actions against large tech companies in the news recently. I don't know if it's if it started this week or several weeks ago or several months ago, but we can focus on Amazon and Google for today. Maybe you could start by giving us the story. Uh, Let's first summarize what these are about, uh, starting with the, uh, let's start with Amazon, I guess. Uh, It's my understanding there's an FTC lawsuit there. There's a potential FTC lawsuit. Uh, okay. Yeah, Lena Khan, who's the chair of the FTC, has been has kind of had Amazon in her sights for a long time. Uh, she actually kind of uh, first rose to prominence um, as a law student with a paper about anti antitrust issues surrounding Amazon. At least as she saw them and argued for a creative um, sort of novel interpretations of antitrust law. Uh, to deal with what she saw as issues related to Amazon. Flat, that was in 2017, I believe. Flash forward six years later, she's the chair of the FTC. And last year, she directed the FTC attorneys to really uh, increase their investigations of Amazon. And so it's been reported now sort of uh, for several months really now that uh, the FTC is on the verge of launching a case against Amazon. It's been, and, and we've seen some reports about what that's likely to include. So now that's expected to happen um, to be launched later this month. And what exactly are they uh, alleging there? What What is the issue? Well, there's really three issues. I think that this is primarily about Amazon Prime, which, you know, when you tell people that sort of, it's funny because Amazon Prime is used by 
half of um, all Americans. It's extremely popular. Right. Our organization, Chamber of Progress, actually did a, a survey of prime members earlier this year and found uh, something like uh, 80, 80% plus were very sad. We're satisfied with it. So uh, the, what, what has been reported is there's really three issues. One is she's trying, she, she's likely to try to break apart the Amazon prime bundle. When you subscribe to Amazon prime, you get of course free shipping and, uh, and deals. Um, but you also get, you know, Amazon prime video and Amazon music and Amazon books and all these kinds of things. Um, there's likely to be an allegation that bundle is unfair to competing retailers like Walmart and target. The second argument is really has to do with how prime interacts with what they call fulfillment by Amazon, which is really their backend system for, uh, making sure that a prime a, a, a product that's labeled prime gets to you within two days. Um, the way that they do that, generally speaking, is is merchants use what for called is called fulfillment by Amazon, which is that the Amazon warehouse stores and ships that that product and ensures that it gets there within the two days. Not all the sellers like that they have to pay Amazon fees um, for that service. And so there's um, likely to be an allegation that Amazon shouldn't be linking the two things together, Amazon Prime and Fulfillment by Amazon. Now, the third issue really has to do with uh, what's called the buy box. Whenever you go onto an Amazon product page over on the right-hand side, you see um, something that says like, buy this now. And that's really buying it now with a particular merchant. And only one merchant can kind of be the buy box um, merchant. And so Amazon uses a formula to try to show the best deal. Um, there's an allegation that's been several years running now that their policies for doing that um, actually cause um, prices to to rise for other on, on other online services. Um, and so that's um, you know, that that's kind of what that issue is about. So really, it's primarily about Amazon Prime. Interesting. Now, um, you, you talked about uh, the uh, commissioner of the, ST, of the FTC, uh, Lena Khan, and, and this is my first of, of hearing about her, but but it 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 sounds like she was a, a law student just a few years ago and yeah. is now commissioner of the FTC. That sounds that sounds like a fascinating story in and of itself. Yeah. Um, how, how how that happens? But you said she she wrote about this uh, as, as a law student. She wrote about this as a law student, and and she had a paper called Amazon's Antitrust Paradox, which kind of acknowledged that under traditional applications of antitrust law that Amazon's practices are not problematic because they generally have a, a pro-consumer justification. They're good for consumers. Right. But <clears throat> historically in antitrust um, law, that's been a defense that you don't have to, if you're Amazon, you don't have to help Walmart and Costco so long as you're you're benefiting your customers. Um, you know, I think she, uh, Lena Khan is chair of the FTC as part of a new wave of what's called sort of the, a neo-Brandeisian uh, movement to try to expand the application of antitrust beyond just whether something is good or bad for consumers. They're looking at whether it's good for other, for suppliers, for example. Uh, they're looking at whether it's good for workers or not. Those are those are beyond kind of the traditional scope of antitrust law, but that's been a very explicit goal of hers to try to expand its its um, its scope. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's fascinating. Now, I, I also wanted to talk about Google and then I had a bunch of questions yeah. that kind of apply to both of them. So sure. I hope it kind of makes sense to kind of put them together, but, you know, sure. separate them as we go. But, but so let's, let's next establish, like, what is happening with Google now? And 
My very mm -hmm. simple understanding is that they're they're facing a trial. This one's from the DOJ, also related to antitrust. So is that correct? And, and what exactly is going on? That's correct. Um, this was Google's uh, just began a 10 week trial earlier this week um, where the Department of Justice, the federal government is suing Google. Um, this case actually began under the Trump administration. And so Bill Barr, who was the attorney general, filed this case against Google just before the 2020 election, I think, because he was trying to show Trump that he was going after, you know, those those liberal big tech companies, you know, <laughs> they, this is when you know Bill Barr was kind of a little bit on the outs with Trump because of the election. Um, and so, you know, I think that this was a, I think I think that Barr wanted to bring some suit against Google. They looked at a couple of different issues and they ended up with this one. The heart of the case is is really about Google's agreements with Apple, with Mozilla, with phone manufacturers for its search engine to be the default search. And so it's um, it's it's that's that is really the heart. That is really what the case is about, um, whether those deals to be the default search providers are um, anti-competitive because they make it impossible for rivals search engines to compete. And so that's really what you're you know, we, we you started to see in court this week is the Department of Justice laying out those arguments and the Department of Justice goes first. Uh, the states, some several states are party to the case, and then Google will actually start um, mounting its defense in a few weeks. Yeah. So what what is the goal, argument for why Google search is a monopoly when, uh, you know, switching search engines is so easy? You know, I can go to yeah. Bing.com or, or anything else, um, arguably easier than, you know, uh, well, uh, later on, I, I want to compare these to the Microsoft case, but but in terms of switching browser, arguably easier. But what what, what arguments are, are they trying to use there? Yeah. So there's the DOJ has to prove two things here. The first um, is that Google has a monopoly in what's called what they call general search and and search advertising. So this is not really what their case is about, but it's a require it's a it's a it's a precondition of the rest of their case. They have to establish that Google has monopoly in general search. Um, their argument is that Google um, is primarily competes only against Bing, DuckDuckGo, and general search. Um, Google's argument to that will be that for certain types of searches, say for example, shopping queries, it actually competes against Amazon and Wayfair and other services like that, or for say hotel queries, it's competing. You know, you could go to Google, but you could also go to TripAdvisor or Expedia. Um, for local queries, you could go to Google, but you could also go to Yelp. So their argument in court um, will be and, and is that they actually compete not just against general search engines like Bing, but also these specialty search engines. They'll also argue on the advertising side that that they're competing for ad dollars against other forms of advertising. The really important thing to say about this, this issue is that Google can lose on this point and still win the case mm. because this is a requirement for the FT, for the DOJ to prove the rest of their case, but it's not a requirement for Google to win. The, the heart of the case is DOJ, if DOJ establishes that Google has um, market power, is a monopoly in search and search advertising, they then are their argument is that Google has unfairly um, uh, maintained that monopoly through these search default deals with Apple and with Mozilla and with browsers. And, you know, I think that their argument is that is that is that th these deals sort of give 
Google an unbeatable scale, an unbeatable position. Google's arguments are that these deals are not exclusive, generally speaking, um, that they uh, it's, it, it is very easy for a consumer to switch to a new search engine on all of those on all of those different formats, desktop or or mobile, that there is no lock in for the consumer and that to the extent that they're um, they, they have these positions is because Apple and, and, and Mozilla and Samsung have decided that Google has the best uh, search results. And um, and so that it's sort of fairly won. And, and uh, I sort of compare this to the deals that, you know, grocery, the grocery stores do for shelf space. You're giving, you know, Oreo buys up a lot of shelf space. That doesn't mean that you can't buy Hydrox. Hydrox also gets shelf space. They might not be the premium space, but um, it doesn't mean that Oreo, if, if people find Hydrox to be much better than Oreo, Hydrox will beat Oreo in the marketplace. So that these deals are not um, sort of uh, the be all end all for in explaining Google's success. So what happens if Google loses this? Uh, is it just a matter of, okay, they have to, uh, uh, they have to, you know, stop these exclusive deals or is that, I mean, that it seems yeah. like it hurts their business, but it doesn't seem like some major breakup or anything like that. It's not, you're absolutely right. It's not a, it, I've seen some hyperbole around this and this is going to cause breakup or, you know, really hurt Google's business. I don't think that it will. It, it, it was a strange case. I think, you know, it, I don't think this, I mean, I don't think it was a well-considered case. I think it was like, we got to bring a case against Google and at the end of the, <laughs> the end of the Trump administration. I literally think that's how they, they arrived at it. Um, but you're right. One of the things that's interesting about this is that the case is not, you're not allowed to kind of consider remedies unless Google is found guilty. And that would then be a second phase. Mm. So, um, there really there there's already been a little bit of discussion about it, but it's not really formally part of the trial. What some people so so I I think there's two main potential remedies, and both of them have interesting problems with them. So one is you could say the court could say Google, you're not allowed to bid on these deals anymore. Okay, now interestingly, um. They they can't tell Apple and Mozilla not to do default deals anymore or Samsung, right? They're not party to the case. It's Google as the bidder who's been the sort of the party. So it would be sort of strange to say that you can't, you know, you can't bid on this deal that, you know. And so if there's no if, if Google can't bid, who's really left as a bidder? It's primarily Bing. Bing would be the biggest and Microsoft would be the biggest beneficiary of that because essentially they could be, go become the default. To the extent, right, right now, Apple has uh, when this deal, when their Safari deal, let's say, is up for renegotiation, Google and Amazon or Google and Microsoft are negotiating against each other, right? Um, if there's only one bidder, <laughs> you don't have a negotiation against each other, and the bidder, in this case, sole bidder, in this case, would be Microsoft, has no reason to pay very much. Now, nobody cares if Apple loses, you know, uh, uh, this money, um, but Mozilla, the operator of Firefox. This is how they make most of their money, 95% plus of their money. And just, so just by deals with Google, getting Google on their Google is their main source of funding, this wow. this search default deal. And so, okay, Google is disqualified as a bidder. That leaves them one bidder, which is Bing. And Bing has no incentive to pay Mozilla anything more than to the bare minimum, right? And yeah. so really actually to, mo they just have to beat out the third, the third place, which yeah. is who knows what that is. Duck, duck, go or whoever. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. So 
So Mozilla actually would probably lose the most of anybody. Um, and a lot of people are going to still choose Google. So the other thing, the other idea that some uh, Google critics have proposed is what they call a ballot screen. This has been tried in Europe. This has been tried in Russia, of all places. And what it essentially says is when you start up the device or the browser in this case, that the you know there ha you have to offer a ballot screen. Now Google now Google is required to do this in, in through Android in Europe um, because it operates Android. Um, that certainly is possible. I don't know how the court could require Apple or Mozilla to do a ballot screen since they're not party to a case. So that would be sort of strange to me. So uh, what do you mean by a ballot screen? So a ballot screen would say when you first start up your Android device, let's say, um, they it would say. Here are six search engines. Oh, I which see. one do you want to use as your default search engine? Right. And right. So you have to be explicit. Yeah. Now, now, um, one challenge of this, by the way, is that there are actually more than six search engines. So who get, who are the six that get listed? I don't I don't know. In Europe, they actually did an auction around this, but uh, you could do it by usage. That might be one, you know, popularity. That might be one way to do it. But the interesting thing about this is that you know a lot of people are still going to pick Google, right? In that. And, and so Google might be fine with that. And, um, and obviously they'd much rather prefer to be in the default position. So if a de if a default's being offered, they prefer to be in the default, but if it's not being offered, they're going to get picked probably most of the time. And so the other thing I see, we've seen around this when there's deep, when these ballot screens is that the, the, they tend to be just, there's a tension, right? Between, Okay, why are we doing this ballot screen? Are we doing it to give consumers a choice or are we doing it to raise the market share of the second third place player, right? And what happens is what's happened in Europe is that even after they implemented the ballot screens, the market shares of the search engines didn't change very much. And so DuckDuckGo viewed it as a and described the ballot screen as as a failure. But, you know, that's part of sort of putting the cart before the horse. What what do you want? Do you want the consumer choice or do you want to force a market share change, even if consumers preferences for quality are, are telling you something different? So that's why this is sort of, you know, I find it's an odd case because the remedies don't necessarily make anything better. Right, right. So uh, the other question I have, and again, I'm sorry if this is a very different answer for Google than for uh, Amazon, but why do you think these cases are coming up now? I know you mentioned some some political reasons. Um, any yeah. anything else with that that story? You know, I think it's a couple reasons. One, these are big big powerful companies, and um, I it makes sense to me they should be investigated. In some cases, they should be sued. But I do think if if any if you know if the if the government find finds anything. Um, I think that the the tension, though, is that what I see happening in, in too many cases is regulators and legislators starting with their target and then trying to find the case, right? Rather than looking, seeing a behavior that troubles them, they start with, oh, we need a Google case or we need an Amazon case. I think Lena Khan started from the perspective of we need an Amazon case. I'm going to put more investigators on this. Go figure out what are good arguments against Amazon. That's not really a great way to do this. It's a much better approach to say, you know, we've had people come to us and identify this problem and we agree this is a problem, you know, and so we're going to pursue a case against it.
Yeah, it, I, I wrote down a little note here, which um, may or may not be relevant, but uh, maybe you want to comment because it, my reaction is it seems like we might possibly, maybe not, but we might be on the verge of a, of a revolution with how we access information, given all the excitement around large language models and generative AI. I know I go to ChatGPT for for a lot of my information now, uh, and you know people are changing how they use search and I, I find the timing interesting because unlike five years ago, we're at a time where I could see in a few years, we may want to be less reliant on, on Google, maybe not so much Amazon, but it's just like, it, I feel like Google's dominance might be at its end and they're, yeah. they're coming in right at the end of this. Well, in fact, I think this is, this is, um, this is a point that's going to come up in court, particularly in Google's defense, which is to say that, um, you know, if you look at, the way that chat GPT kind of captured the imagination in December and in January of this year, um, it came out of nowhere and, you know, and, and it, um, is doing something really revolutionary. It's a leapfrog innovation from say, you know, general search engines that we've known it. And by the way, it doesn't have any default search deals, right? It's yeah. not anyone's default search engine. So it was just building something, um, better in some ways, right? I know, and I, I know it has limitations, but I mean, it's leapfrog innovation, and so it's really a, kind of the best example. I, you know, th there will be cases. There will be next week in the trial, for example, the Google trial. I expect that um, uh, search engines, including DuckDuckGo, and there was a smaller one called Neva that that um, tried and failed, will argue that they failed because Google's distribution agreements prevented them from getting traction. I think that chat GPT's success just disproves that because it, you know, they, they, they built something novel, Neva and DuckDuckGo did not. And, um, uh, and so I think that, you know, and, and also like, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to view kind of search holistically, like it's going to go into this realm of kind of competing for these kind of generative AI answers, then it's great that we have this kind of competition. And by the way, chat GPT, like giving Google a run for its money, Google responds, they build in, barred into search results. That's awesome. That's what we want to see happen. You want to see that kind of competition happen. Yeah. Although as a consumer, I kind of find it, um, I mean, this is just an aside, maybe this is not relevant, but I, I find it um, kind of annoying barred because I go to Google when I don't want to use chat GPT and I want to use the, the, you know, 10 blue links uh, 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 interface. So uh, I don't know. I find that a little weird, uh, which is, you know, probably frustrating for Google because they invented a lot of this, um, you know, a lot of this generative technology, the, the, the transformer, the uh, uh, they did most of the research on the LLMs and now they are having trouble integrating it. But yes, you're right. They'll have to respond. And uh, and 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 and, um, and we do have a, a ball game, at least for for a piece of search. We don't know how big it's going to be. All right. So I wanted to bring this back to uh, the case against Microsoft, because some of us who are older remember this case, uh, yeah. which was with Internet Explorer back in the late 90s, early 2000s. What uh, lessons or analogies can we draw from that case, which uh, can illuminate what's going on here? Well, I think in, it's it's sort of tempting to analogize the Microsoft case, but I also think that there was a it was a really different time. Um, Microsoft was sort of uniquely dominant at that time. Um, and 
particularly when you when you remember like internet we we did internet over dial up in 1998 right not over broadband and so one of the arguments for example in that trial was that it was it was quite difficult to switch from internet explorer to mozilla because you had to download it over a dial up line and um and that was difficult and you know if you compare it say for example to like amazon competing against walmart or costco it's like it's literally like one web browser one app versus another mm-hmm. um and so like if you're competing comparing to google it's literally like you know you install another search app on your android device or you change your default search you know so it's the switching costs analysis is very very different from the microsoft case and that is a real really relevant point um because the switching costs were deemed to be very high in the microsoft case i think the other thing that, that, about it is is we now have kind of a model, particularly in big tech, but also in things like retail, where you have, frankly, a couple of big players competing with each other. And so I always chuckle when I hear people talk about the monopolies, the tech monopolies, like plural, <laughs> you know, they're actually competing with each other. Yeah. Right. And so and they're all kind of paranoid and getting into each other's space spaces. Right. In a good way. Um, and, and that paranoia kind of drives them to offer new products. So I think that's very different from the competitive environment you had in in 1998, where Microsoft really was the big gorilla to say now that Apple and Amazon and, 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 uh, and Microsoft and Google and and meta are all the big gorillas. Like, yeah. And there, and, and, but like, there's no one necessarily that's kind of making it hard for the others. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think that uh, is going to be the effect of these developments on uh, tech and the, the software sector going forward, I guess, both for large companies and for startups. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that on things like the Amazon case, um, you know, I think that, frankly, I though if you, you know, based on the issues in that case, it sounds to me like the FTC is really interested in helping sellers. Um, and I think they overlook the tension in a lot of these platform businesses is that um, the seller's interests are sometimes at odds with the consumer's interests, which is to say every seller would like to get picked for the Amazon buy box, right? Or every seller would like Amazon to have lower fees for using fulfillment by Amazon, right? But right. What the, what, but but why do – at the end of the day, why do consumers keep coming back to Amazon? It's because Amazon is incredible – has incredible value proposition for them. And so – to the extent that Amazon's going to create rules like ensuring that your prime product gets in there in two days, that's essential to keep people keep coming to Amazon, even if sellers don't like that rule. And so I I don't know that policymakers have kind of grappled with the tension. I think, you know, you you as a policymaker, you sometimes have people come to complain to you that something's unfair. And, you, and I think there can be a temptation to sort of buy into that complaint before you really grapple with who's benefiting from the behavior that might be complaining, being complained about. Right. Right. So um, any last, oh, wait, and what about for, uh, for, for the, the effects of the Google suit? Sorry. I, I think the Google case, you know, I mean, what, to be honest, the biggest beneficiary of a department of justice win in the Google search case would be Microsoft. The biggest likely loser would be Mozilla. Um and I think Google might be fine no matter what. Um, uh, so that's what makes it an odd case, to be perfectly still, honest. Yeah. Still rise and fall by their own 
<laughs> yeah, I also by think, by the way, yeah, I, I think, by the way, too, that's like, look, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, defaults are valuable for services, but like quality, quality carries the day. And so, you know, does it, does a customer benefit from having like the lesser, you know, how does a customer feel about having a lesser quality option as the default? They might not like that very much. So yeah. I think that like, I, I they really might, worry. They might give I, it a try. Like, you know. Yeah, I worry about, like, I think in these cases, it's like, I worry about like, what you, what you see here is you see governments, you know, wanting to help Microsoft in the Google case or wanting to help, you know, um, suppliers or uh, Walmart in the Amazon case and kind of forgetting about the customer. And um, I think that's that's really potentially dangerous. Right. Uh, yeah, that's an that's an interesting way to, to way to put it. I think a lot of us tried DuckDuckGo. Um, I understand like the ideological reasons why someone would, would try to use DuckDuckGo, but it just wasn't um, it just wasn't good enough uh, over the long term to sustain like you know once you have to start um you know researching or switching to google if you don't get the results yeah. you like then you just stop using it after a while yeah and i think that there's an argument for example in the google trial that you know um duck to go is a more privacy protective argument mm -hmm. and and that would benefit consumers to be in front of people more but i also think that you know, there's a gap here between sort of what people say their preferences are and what their revealed preferences are, which is to say that at the end of the day, people always say in surveys that they really care about privacy. But I think what they see and what we what you see through their behavior in search is that they care about quality much more. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe me, I would love to see a world where uh, privacy is is front and center with a lot of these services, but I also see that uh, unfortunately sometimes the more convenient ones or the ones that solve our problems right now are not are not privacy based, which is is yet another problem to solve. But I don't right. know if we could solve it today. Not um, on this podcast, anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. I, I actually I I am talking to some people who are are thinking about it. So stay tuned to the local maximum. Oh, good. Uh, okay, more, it's more a good teaser that. for future yeah, yeah. episodes. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Adam, any last thoughts on this stuff and, uh, where can people go to find out more from you and uh, your organization? No, I just think that I, th I think my big picture view on this is that I think we're still a lot of these tech policy debates and, and lawsuits are kind of still stuck in the phase of, you know, this company is really powerful. And we got to do something about them, anything, we should do anything about them as opposed to really, um, more narrowly crafting a solution to a problem. And, uh, you know, we, we, when we regulate airlines or healthcare or things, we, you know, we tend to have more sane conversations about kind of what's the problem we're trying to solve and how are we going to try to solve it? I think tech policy still is in a little bit of an immature stage of like, well, you know, we were tech had a long honeymoon politically and, and now we, you know, now we need a divorce <laughs> and it's like, no, actually what we probably need is relationship counseling. Um, and, you know, just good rules of the road. So um, that I'm optimistic we get there. But I think, you know, the, the stage of sort of cases that don't seem very well thought out, again, like the Amazon Prime case, um, I think we're well, unfortunately we may see it may get worse before it gets better. Hmm. All right. And uh, and where could people go to find out more? Oh, sure. Uh, well, uh, my organization, Chamber Progress, is online at progresschamber.org. And I'm on Twitter at Adam Kovac. All right. So all that will be linked to our show notes page. Adam Kovacovich, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. All right. I learned a lot from that episode. I hope that you did too. 
We're going to start stretching in the next few episodes. We had a discussion about patent and copyright. Do we need it? Are those laws really harmful to society? Also, I had a really interesting conversation in the ancient archaeology space. Not aliens, I promise, but still a guest that puts forth some very unconventional theories. I'll leave it there. So look out for all of that. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at LocalMaxRadio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to LocalMaxRadio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power. 